0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come on. Are you excited to be here today? How many of you? How many of you know? I saw a lot of posts on social media this last week, um, and I was thinking this morning it's seven days after Easter and Jesus is still risen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, so we put so much emphasis on that, rightfully so, um, on Easter Sunday. But uh, we should live that way and live in that reality every single day of our lives. Amen. Hey, I want to mention just a couple of things really quick, and then we're going to get into the message today. Um, on April the 30th, that's a Saturday, from 10 to 1, the youth are having uh, a car wash here at the church, and all of the donations and proceeds from that are going to youth camp, and so that's coming up quickly. Youth camp is in June, uh, so we're a little less than two months away, and so they have that going on on April the 30th, and so if you're, if you're able, if you're around, hey, stop in, say hi Um, If you want to support that or get your car washed, come on, you can can do that. We'd love for you to be a part of that. May the 1st, which is next Sunday, uh, is what we're calling Senior Sunday. So during the 1045 service, our seniors that are part of our uh, youth ministry here at the church, we're going to honor them and celebrate them, give them a gift, and be able to pray over them. And so uh, we're looking forward to that next Sunday. May the 7th is our next Serve Day. Uh, It always seems weird to me to say this, but it's going to be in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot. Come on. You get so used to saying, save a lot, and then it changes on you. And uh, Anyway, so in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot uh, at 1030, we're going to be serving lunches on May the 7th, so come join us for that. And then on May the 15th is Child Dedication Sunday. So if you have a, a child that you want to dedicate to the Lord, maybe it's a newborn or, or a child that you've had. Uh, for a while maybe you just started coming to the church and and you want to dedicate your your children to the Lord you can do that Uh, just get on the app or on the website you can sign up that just lets us be prepared for everything that we want to provide for you on that day so that's on May the 15th during the second service Um, and I'm running through these quickly but uh, softball so we had the opportunity to uh, participate in playing softball so if you're a part of our church man or woman and uh, you want to you want to play softball this summer out in the lobby? There is a sign up form out there, and you can put your name and phone number information, and then we'll get in touch with you and uh, let you know uh, details that are coming up as that gets closer. Uh, so you can do that today. In the month of May, we're going to do something that we've never done before. Uh, it's a thing called um, one of our one of uh, the the pastors in our lives. They've done this several years and so we kind of took the the name that they've put on it and we're we're simply calling it may we pray and so during the month of may we're going to have specific times where we are going to gather together uh, on sunday evenings i believe it's the 8th 15th and 22nd and we're going to gather here at the church everyone who's available and we're going to take about an hour and we're just going to spend time praying and worshiping and uh, just seeking the lord and so we're going to be doing that during the month of May. So that gives you a couple of weeks to, to make preparation to where you can be here on a Sunday morning. Come back that Sunday evening and let's take time to pray together. And, uh, and we'll give you more details as that gets a little bit closer as well. And then the uh, last thing I want to mention is our iKids team. Uh, we didn't mention it last week, but I want to let you know again, we have had people that have joined that team. Uh, but as we've mentioned before, our iKids ministry is growing uh, and, and we're just in need of more volunteers and people to step up to the plate. And so if you have not joined that team, we would encourage you today to, to consider being a part of that team, jumping on that, serving once a month or whatever that looks like for you, and helping be a part of investing in the next generation. Amen? Uh, and I want to I do one thing. I want us to do this one thing corporately, if we can. Uh, many of you have seen on, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, social media, whatever you're on, Uh, there is there's a family that is in Dallas right now and they have a little boy he's eight years old some of you know the family some of you may not know the family and you've just seen some posts on uh, social media but I want us to last night there were a couple of different locations where they had uh, a prayer service for him specifically and uh, I don't know every one of the details I've been staying updated like through social media and things like that but Uh, but I know that uh, he's in need of a miracle, and here's the good news, we serve a God who performs miracles, amen, and so what I want us to do is I want us to link our faith together today, and I want us to pray, and we're going to believe that God's going to do a miracle in a hospital room in Dallas, Texas, come on, do you believe he can do it? All right, so if you will, if you want to stretch out your hand, if I mean whatever whatever you feel like the Lord's leading you to do in this moment, but let's just let's just go to the Lord in prayer and let's believe that uh, He's going to do what He says He can do and what we know He can do. Amen. So Lord, today we thank you right now uh, for James. Lord, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that Your healing power is at work in that hospital room right now. God, that your healing power is flowing through his body. It is being activated in his body. And, Lord, we believe, as was even stated last night in a prayer service, that he will not just walk out of that hospital room, but he will run out of that hospital room. And, Lord, we thank you for complete healing. We know that you can, and we believe that you will. Lord, we believe that it's your will to heal. Lord, that you love him and that you want to see him made whole. And Lord, we just pray right now for peace and for comfort over the family, over the parents, over uh, his brother right now in Jesus' name, extended family, that you would comfort them, bring peace, Lord, that you would build their faith during this time. And we thank you for the testimony that is to come of his healing right now in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. All right. Well, we're going to jump into, today is um, uh, not the beginning of a series or anything, it's a message that I felt like the Lord put on my heart, and uh, we're going to be in Second Peter today. I'm excited because next weekend, Doug Reed, one of our overseers, is going to be in with us, and so he's going to be bringing the message. You are not going to want to miss that. It's going to be incredible. In two weeks, we get to celebrate Mother's Day. Come on, we get to celebrate all the moms, husbands, if you have forgotten about that, this is your two-week warning right now. Uh, Mother's Day is on May the 8th. Come on, somebody. Um, but today, I, I, I've prepared this message that I want to share, and I've simply titled it this, if you're taking notes. Supplement your faith. Supplement your faith. And m- many of us understand, especially if you've exercised or worked out, you kind of understand what the idea of a supplement is. But just to give you uh, an overview of what a supplement Uh, actually does it's something that completes or enhances something else when it's added to it so it's something that completes it or enhances it when you add it to it and so I want to talk to you for just a few moments today on supplementing your faith supplementing your faith Um, Peter who is writing this what we're about to read in in second Peter chapter one he's probably writing from a prison in Rome and he's writing to some churches uh, and I and I found it interesting. He's he's about to be. You know, history would tell us that not too long after this, he would be executed for his faith. And so he's writing this just not too long before he would actually be killed for his faith in Jesus. And if you if you know history, you know he's the. the the disciple that said you know what they were going to crucify him and he said don't crucify me like Jesus crucified me upside down because I don't want to be crucified like my Lord and Savior like I'm not even worthy to die in the same way that he did and so this is the Peter who is writing this to us today uh 2nd Peter chapter 1 and I want to start in verse 3 and we'll go through verse 9 and then we'll talk about it for just a moment it says by his divine power God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Come on, are you thankful for that? These are the promises that enable you to share, it, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Uh, Peter starts out by letting us know, I believe, that the power to do what he's about to tell us to do, what we just read, only comes from our faith in Jesus. So the power to do what he's about to tell us to do can only come from the things that God has given us. That you can't conjure up. So it's important for you to understand this before we get into a list that I want to walk through with you today. About how we can supplement our faith. That, that you can't conjure up these things. That you you can't just, you can't just, well I'm just going to get better at these things. Now we are going to talk about, these are some practical things that you need to do. Right? These are some things that Peter is saying, you need to supplement your faith with these things, but you first got to understand that this only comes from what God has given us. The ability to do this only comes from what God has given us. And I don't know about you, but, uh, but has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like you couldn't truly live out the Christian life? You ever felt like, well, this just seems like it is impossible for me to do? That's because it's impossible for you to do apart from the God who gives you the ability to do it and some of us have prayed a prayer but we've never stepped into like a real intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father and because of that we're, we're trying to do things but it's all in our own strength and it only comes from the ability and what God has given us that we're able to do this what are the things that we've received you know Peter's talking about these things that we've received well we know you know, as we celebrated last week, we received the blood of Jesus, right? That's an important thing. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we're saved and redeemed and healed and all of these things that we have been talking about. We've received, he says, precious promises. Um, I, we've received, according to this, the, uh, the enablement to share in the divine nature of God, We've received the blood of Jesus. We've received precious promises, which we could go through a list of all the promises that God has given us in his word. As we read through the New Testament, we read, you know, what Jesus talked about and what Paul was writing down, what Peter wrote down, and all of these people that were writing these things that we now read today as what we call the Bible. We can see all of these precious promises, and we have received the enablement to share in the very divine nature of God. And I I love the contemporary English version of verse 4 because this is how it says it. God made great and marvelous promises so his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. In other words, he's saying, God has given us these promises, and here's the reason why. So that his nature would become like it would be in us, that we would be like him. That the word Christian that means Christ-like would actually become a reality. That we would become more and more like Christ in our life. And he says also this, so that we could escape our evil desires. Come on, is there anybody that, that you have, that there's something inside of you that you're like, I just wish I could escape my evil desires and the corruption around me and all of this stuff. He says, listen, God has given you promises. He wants His nature to become a part of you and you'll be able to escape these evil desires and these corrupt influences of the world. God has given us promises so that by receiving those promises, God's nature would become a part of us. One commentary said this, says, so what has God promised us? He's promised us eternity in his family, an end to our suffering, transformation by the power of his Holy Spirit, purpose and meaning forever. These promises of God are of such great value that merely possessing them has already given us the right to participate in the divine nature. In other words, we are already partners with Christ in the work God is doing in the world. More specifically, we are right now able to begin to answer Jesus' call to live in His glory and His goodness. Peter Peter says that we have everything that we need to be able to walk out our faith and to give God our best. That we have been given everything that we need. The contemporary English version, I want to read verses 5 through 9, and then we're going to dive into some of these things today. This is 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. We just read it in the New Living, but I want to read it in the CEV. It says, do your best to improve your faith by adding goodness, understanding, understanding, Self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. You mean to tell me that I can add things to my faith? Yes, Peter would say to you today that you need to supplement your faith or you need to improve your faith by adding some things to your faith. And we're going to talk about those things today. And recently, you know, we just finished up a series where we were going through the book of Galatians. And we talked a lot about how we're not saved by the things that we do. But when we're saved, there are things that we are called to do. It's not our works that save us, but we're called so that we can enter into the good works that God had prepared before time for us to do. And so we have to We have to continue to understand the difference because today it's going to be about things that you need to add to your faith or you need to supplement your faith with. That you need to, as the CEV would say, improve your faith in this way by adding these things. And it's important for you to know that we can't get right with God by doing all the right things. Being right with God is about placing our faith in Jesus and what he did for us. But we discover here in 2 Peter that our faith needs to be more than just a belief in some facts. So some of us, we, we struggle in this area, myself included sometimes, where our, our, our faith is just a belief in some facts. And their belief in the facts is really, really good. And it is essential that you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that you believe that he died for you and that by his stripes you are healed and everything that we talked about last weekend, that you believe he was buried, that he was put in a tomb, that you believe that he came out on the third day and he was rose to, rose to life and that he, you know, like to prove it, he showed himself to several people before he went back to heaven. All of those things are necessary for you to believe. But Peter would say that there needs to be more to your faith than just a belief in certain facts that they are true. Faith needs to result in loving action toward people. Faith needs to translate to growth in our character as a Christian. Faith should result in us being disciplined morally as we live our lives. Your faith should cause you to act a certain way. You don't act a certain way to get right with God, but your faith, in the God that you say it's in should cause you to now act a certain way to live your life a certain way James who was the brother of Jesus this is what he said about faith maybe you're familiar with this this is James chapter 2 he says what good is it dear brothers and sisters if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions can that kind of faith save anyone suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. In other words, this is the way that I read this, and this is the way I process it in my mind, is that you may be on your way to heaven, but the faith that you claim to profess is really meaningless and useless to anyone else on planet earth. unless it, result, it is a dead faith unless it results in action. Unless it actually leads you to do something. I read this this last week. It says, our faith must go beyond what we believe. It must become a dynamic part of all we do, resulting in fruitful service and spiritual maturity. We develop these virtues out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. People who claim to be saved while continuing to act the way they did before become believe before becoming believers do not understand faith or what God has done for them. In other words, this person is saying that if you continue to live after you've received Christ in the same way that you did before you received Christ, then maybe you truly don't understand what it is that God has done for you or what Jesus has done for you or what your faith actually means. So faith needs to lead us to do some things, and there are some things that we can supplement our faith with, that we can add to that will improve our faith. And so Peter lists out several things that improve our faith, and as the original Greek wording would say, these are things that, I love this, lavishly supply to our faith. These are things that we are called to lavishly supply to what we say we believe. To the facts that we say we believe, and here's what the list is, and we're going to go through these one at a time, but we're going to put them all on the screen together so you can see them. He talks about goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love. Come on, how many are excited to talk about these this morning? I mean, how many of you are excited to talk about patience this morning? (laughs) He says, you know what you need to add to your faith? You need to add patience. To your faith. You need to add some self control to your faith. And so, what does it look like for us to supply these things, uh, to supply these things on this list to our faith? Here's the first one. Let's talk about each one, We're going through a list of seven here. The first one is goodness. Goodness. And according to, as, as I was studying these out, this is talking about moral goodness. In other words, the way that you live your life is morally good he says you you've placed your faith in Jesus here's how you can supplement your faith here's how you can improve your faith here's what you need to add to your faith you need to add some moral goodness to your faith you know what I, I think when when I read this I think you know what I just if this is not a call for me to just live my life however I want to live my life this is a call for me to step in no I've placed my faith in Jesus and it's going to lead me to be morally good It can also be translated as excellence. Excellence. Same Greek word can be translated. He says, you know what? You need to add to your faith. You need to add excellence to your faith. And this is the same word that Paul used in Philippians 4. Maybe you're familiar with this verse. This is verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are, here's our word, excellent and worthy of praise. Think about things that are morally good and worthy of praise. What are you thinking on? Are you thinking on things that are, I think, one of the primary ways that we can add this to our faith, that we can improve our faith in this way, is when we begin to think on things that are good. We think on things that are excellent. We think on things that are morally good. Our faith, it should lead us to live In a way that is good morally, respectful, upright, gracious, high standards. Let me just talk about this for a moment. I think there are some of us, myself included, that I I feel like the Lord is challenging me to raise the bar. (laughs) He's saying, you know what, as I was studying for this, like you need to add excellence or goodness, moral goodness to your faith. In other words, there needs to be a high standard. Like when you place your faith in Jesus, it should lead you to have a desire to raise the bar and raise the standard of your life. You know what? I'm no longer going to live like this because I see everybody else living like this. I'm going to raise the bar a little bit. And no, I'm going to go after God in a way that I'm going to live morally excellent. I'm going to live and I'm going to make sure that this goodness is in my life and is flowing out of my life. And maybe some of us, we need to just raise the bar in our actions a little bit. We need to add that to our faith. Here's the second one that he lists is understanding. Understanding. This can also be translated as knowledge, or I like this, wisdom. He says, you know what you need to add to your faith? You believe in Jesus, you need to go after wisdom. You need to seek out knowledge. You need to seek out wisdom. You need to know who God is. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what you're called to. You need to have wisdom. Come on, was there anybody at church today that would say, you know, I just don't need any wisdom. I just don't, I like, I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to understand anymore. I don't need to be any wiser. I just feel like I have all the wisdom that I need. I don't think there's anybody that would honestly say, I just have all the wisdom I need. No, he says, you know what, you need to supplement your faith with wisdom. You need to go after wisdom. And here's, here's the great news today is in James chapter 1 and verse 5, James writes this, he says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. If you need wisdom, ask God. That, that He would go on to say like, and don't doubt. Don't go into it saying, you know, like, well, I need wisdom, but I don't really know if you're going to give me wisdom. Like, he says, go into it without doubting. Go to God. He says, you can confidently go to God and say, you know what, I need wisdom. Anybody ever been making a decision in your life and you needed wisdom? Like, I just need to know what to do in this situation. I need, you to, I need you to speak something to me. I need you to point me somewhere in your word. I need you to reveal something to me so that I know what decision to make or what choice to, to decide on or, come on, the person that I'm supposed to marry. Like, I need, I need some wisdom in my life. He says you need to add this to your faith. We, we gain knowledge through our personal relationship with God and through studying his word. How do you, how do you add, how do you improve your faith by adding understanding, this knowledge, this wisdom? If you, if you're not investing in your personal relationship with your heavenly father, that's going to be difficult. If you're not investing time in your Bible, that's going to be difficult. Because this is how God speaks to us. He says, I have written some things down and I have spoken through my Holy Spirit and inspired my word to be written down on a page so that you can read it. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to spend time in prayer with me. I want you to communicate with me. I want to have a relationship with you. And as we are in relationship together, I start to learn more, I start to grow more, I start to get more wisdom, I start to get more knowledge, I start to understand better what it is that God desires for me, how he's called me to live, and all of these things. We need understanding. Listen, if I could challenge you on this point before we move on, it would be to never stop learning. Never stop seeking wisdom. Never stop being a student of God's Word. Do not stop. You have not arrived. I have not arrived. Until the day that Jesus comes back, we have not arrived. And we need to make sure I'm going to be a learner. I'm going to be a studier of God's Word. I'm going to be spending time in prayer. I'm going to be seeking out wisdom every single day. Our faith should lead us to continue to learn and to grow. Here's the third one that he lists. When he says you need to improve your faith or supplement your faith with some things, it's self-control. Self-control. Um, this is the same Greek word that Paul used when he listed the fruit of the Spirit. He said, you know what You know what? one of the things is that, that the Spirit's going to produce in your life whenever you're following the Spirit's leading and not your sinful nature? One of the things that the Spirit's going to produce in your life is self-control. Self-control. I don't have to go there. I don't have to do that. I have self-control. I have self-control. I know that like my sinful nature is leading me here. No, but I have the spirit of God living on the inside of me and the spirit of God. You know, it says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And because I have the spirit of God living on the inside of me, I have self-control. He says you need to add. And it makes me like I, we can relate to this so well because he's writing to these churches, Peter walked with Jesus, had conversation with Jesus after he was resurrected, watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And he says, you know what? He says, you know what I'm, you know what I'm noticing? You know what I need to encourage you with is that you believe, but you need to add some self-control to your belief. Like, there needs to be something on the inside of you that says, no, I'm going to, like, I have a desire in me to live a certain way. And I'm going to live in a self-controlled way. This, this word, it means self-restraint. Anybody ever felt like you had to hold yourself back from something before? <laughs> That's the picture I get in my mind where he's talking about self-control. Like, I, like, I had, some. you know, you, you can, come on, this week you can go into a situation and you can, you can say, you know, I had some self-control. I got mad. I got upset with somebody. And let me tell you, I exercised the fruit of the Spirit. I improved my faith this week with some self control. I restrained myself from saying what I wanted to say because it was my sinful nature that wanted to say it. But I'm not living by my sinful nature, I'm living according to the Spirit of God. And so I have self control. Peter says you know what you you walk around claiming to be a believer claiming to be a Christian putting your faith in Jesus walking this out here's how you can walk this out have self-control have self-control so some of us some of us we just need to take 10 seconds when we feel like saying something or doing something and just I'm gonna count to 10 come on anybody ever 20 seconds yeah some of you ever experienced something like that? Where you ever experienced something like that, and, and you were teaching your kids, <laughs> like you need to count to ten before you <laughs> make before you make that decision. You need to, you need to, you need to sleep on it before you go spend that amount of money on what you think you need. Do you, like maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you throughout the night as to how you really don't need what you think you need because it's going to put you in debt. Come on, somebody, am I getting too personal? Am I getting too in your business now? We need some self-control. Self-control. We could say it this way, I like this, to have self-control means to have spirit control. Submitting to the Holy Spirit within you, being in control, should be a result of your faith. Come on, we're going to add it to our faith. Here's the next one in the list, is patience. He says, you know what you need to add to your faith? You need to add patience. This can also be translated as patient endurance, or we like this word perseverance. Anybody like to persevere? You're just praying. Anybody praying today? You're like, I hope the Lord brings something my way this week to where I just have to persevere. I just hope that I just have to, I have to, I have to exude patient endurance this week. Like I just, I'm praying for it. I'm believing for it, right? He says, but you know what you need to do? It's, it's, you need, what's going to improve your faith is when you exercise patience, long-suffering, long-suffering, patient endurance, perseverance. God enables the believer to remain under or endure challenges in life. That's how we know that we can be patient, that we can endure that we can have perseverance. This is the same word that Jesus used when he was explaining the parable of the farmer scattering seed in Luke 8. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but Jesus has just told this parable about, you remember the different types of soil? And he, the farmer goes out and spreads the seed, this type of soil, and this happens, and this type of soil, and this happens. And he goes through all the soil, and then the disciples are like, hey, can you explain this to us? And Jesus says, well, I'll explain it to you. And he explains the parable, and at the end of his explanation, this is what he says about the good soil. Okay, this is the good soil, this is not the thorny soil, this is not the rocky soil, this is the good soil. And he says, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and same word, patiently produce a huge harvest. Persevere through some things so that they can produce a good harvest. Patiently endure through some things. So that they can produce a good harvest. What we would like for it to say is that we have decided we're going to be good soil. And that God's word is going to rest on good soil. And because it's on good soil that things are just going to happen. And everything is going to be great. And nothing is going to be difficult. And I'm never going to experience any hard. Because I have made the decision to be somebody who is good soil. And he says no even the good soil. As it's producing a harvest there is patient endurance as the harvest is being produced our faith should result in this steadfastness to continue to follow jesus even in the midst of the things that we may have to endure here's the next thing devotion to god devotion to god this is talking about a reverence for god that comes as a heart response and here's how i picture this in my mind devotion he says you need to supplement your faith with this improve your faith by adding this this is This is that my heart is, that I am so in love with Jesus that out of my heart comes devotion for God. It's a condition of my heart. It's a reverence for God that comes as a heart response. In other words, it's an inner response to the things of God. It's an inner response to the things of God. Here's uh, the best way I know to define this. It's because my heart is turned toward God Reverence for God and devotion to God are flowing out of me. Because my heart is turned towards God, reverence for God, devotion for God, commitment to God, respect for God. All of these things are flowing out of me because my heart is turned toward him. And so I have devotion for God. Here's what Paul says about this this same word. Uh, or the same phrase when he's, he's writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Same word. Train your, In other words, don't focus so much on all of this, but worry about training yourself to be godly, training yourself to be devoted. To God, He goes on, physical training is good, but training for godliness, same word again, is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This devotion to God, this godliness that comes out of our lives because our heart is turned toward Him. He says, there are benefits. He says, training your body physically is a good thing, but training yourself in this way is even better because it will produce results while you're on earth. And it has results for you in heaven. That there, There's something so significant about this that it promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. So our faith should result in godliness and reverence for God. Here's the next one, concern for others. Concern for others. This phrase literally means a loving friend to other believers. It says you need to add this to your faith. You need to have concern for other people. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Our faith should result in us loving each other with genuine affection by giving preference to each other and honoring Each other. And I know I have quoted this a million times in this church, but Jesus himself, he said, This is how the world will know that you are a disciple of mine, that you are following me. It's by the way that you love one another. Love one another. There should be some concern for other people. There should be some empathy. There should be a desire to, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Galatians 6, to, to step into a situation where you may see somebody struggling and have that concern for that person to walk in and say, hey, how can I help carry that load for you? How can, is there anything that you need in this moment? Is there something that I can do to help you? And can you imagine what the world would look like if the church, if believers, if we were committed to, to helping one another and loving one another and being there for one another. If there was was true concern for one another, it's what we need to add to our faith. And then here's the last one that he lists. It's love, love. And maybe you know this, but this is the Greek word that most of us are familiar with, which is the word agape. It says here's what you need to add to your faith. Here's how you can improve your faith. Here's how you can supplement your faith is you need to add love. And this is literally talking about goodwill toward others or putting others before yourself. Come on, how many of us struggle with that? He says, you know what you need to add to your faith? You know what's going to improve your faith? is when you are preferring other people above yourself. When you are preferring others before you prefer the things that you want. Now, you're stepping into agape. Now you have, you have begun to improve your faith by adding love. An unconditional love. Goodwill toward other people. This is the kind of love that God shows us and what we're called to show other people. I think this is the love that Jesus was speaking of when he talked about the last days. And maybe you've studied, you know, it, it seems to be a... A popular thing, it has been for the last couple of years, people studying through the book of Revelation, and Matthew 24 and 25, and reading the book of Daniel, and all of these passages that talk about the end of times, and Jesus actually spoke to that, and we're going to read, this is in Matthew chapter 24, and I just want to read one verse, this is what he said, he said like basically as we're nearing the end, he says this in verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love, same word, of many will grow cold and Peter would tell us you need to make sure and add this love to your faith. You need to live your faith out in a way that shows this love to other people. And Jesus warned us. He said in the last days, when you're living in this time, sin will be rampant everywhere. And this love, this love that Peter would tell us, you need to add, like this you need to supplement your faith with this kind of love. This kind of love for other people. This love of many people is going to grow cold. And our faith should result in us operating in this kind of love toward others in our lives. And here's the reality. These things don't necessarily come automatically. I mean, how many of you have just been living your life and you've just been, just self-control just comes automatic to me. I'm just, I'm all, like I'm automatically patient. (laughs) I automatically just love everyone. I automatically have goodwill toward everybody. Like these things don't necessarily automatically happen. Uh, They require some dedication and they require discipline. But God has already given us, listen, we read it earlier at the beginning. God has already given us everything we need to live this kind of life. And I want to go back to it and just show it to you again at the very beginning. And we probably won't have this on the screen because they were not prepared for this. But but he says before he gets into all Any of these things, he says that you have the ability to live this kind of life, that God has given you everything that you need. Verse 3 By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have everything that you need. Everything you need. God has already given us everything that we need to live a godly life. He says, So you need to supplement your faith with some things. And then he lists out these things. are going to require some dedication they're going to require some discipline but they are possible and everything that we've been talking about this morning it all stems back to God's grace that he showed us through Jesus being the source of us living godly lives it all initially comes back to our faith in Jesus and our desire to follow him and live our lives for him the reality is if you don't have a desire to follow Jesus you probably won't have a desire to add these things you probably won't have a desire to supplement your faith if you don't have a desire to truly follow after Jesus. So it all comes back to us following him. And so I want to end in this way. For the next few moments, I want to run through three important decisions that I think that we all need to make in order to live out what Second Peter is talking about. And you're not going to see these in Second Peter. But as I was reading and studying, I think there are some things that will lead us to the place to where we have a desire To where we are are actively living these things out and supplementing our faith with these things. Here's the first thing. Define what you would die for. What what are you what are you willing to die for? We've talked so much, even through Galatians, how where the the Word of God and Jesus, you know, he said, like, hey, if you want to follow after me, you've got to die to yourself. If you want to follow after me, then you've got to lay down all of your earthly, worldly desires, and you've got to pick up your cross, and you've got to follow me. You've got to die to yourself. And until you know what you're willing to die for, you're not really ready to live and love. And here's what John 15 tells us. There is, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. No greater love. Love isn't necessarily measured by words, but it's measured by a willingness to sacrifice. Love isn't necessarily, come on, you know this. You know this. There's been somebody that told you they loved you, but their actions didn't match it. And which one did you believe? Love is not necessarily measured by words, But it's measured by a willingness to sacrifice something. I'm willing to lay down my life for you. I'm willing to sacrifice this for you. I'm willing to give up this for you because I love you that much. Chances are that if you haven't died to yourself, your faith may be dead and not resulting in the life that God has called you to. So we have to define, in other words, we have to make the decision, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to lay my life down. My sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. And so I'm only living for him and it's him that's living in me. Here's the second thing that I think a decision that we probably need to make is we need to sacrifice our comfort. In order to supplement or improve your faith with the things that we've been talking about, one of the things that you will probably have to do, maybe you won't, but probably you're going to have to sacrifice your comfort. Because we like to be comfortable. We like to be comfortable. There would be so many of you, I was thinking about this funny example, there would be so many of you, if, I, if you were to come into church next Sunday, and, and me and the staff, and we all came in here, and we took out these chairs, and we went to Heritage Hall, and we got those white chairs, and we just filled this room with those white chairs, you know, that we were so anxious to get out of because it hurt so bad when we sat in them. Some of you would walk in and be like, really? Really? This is not as comfortable. I know that's a funny, silly example, but some of us live our lives that way. And the reason we haven't we haven't supplemented our faith with self-control is because we like comfort. The reason we haven't supplemented our faith with, with concern for others is because we like comfort. And we have to be willing to sacrifice some comfort. Second Timothy 2 3. Paul says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure suffering along with me sounds like it's not a comfortable thing. Sometimes sometimes living for God won't be comfortable. Sometimes following Jesus will not be comfortable. But we have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Sometimes taking a stand for what's right won't be comfortable. But we have to take. But we have to be okay with not being comfortable. We've got to get to the place where we say, "I'm going to sacrifice my comfort so that I can live for God." I'm going to sacrifice what makes me comfortable so that I can truly live for Him. I love this. This quote it says, "You don't become a great man or woman of God without sacrificing. You don't become a great. You don't become great by doing what's easy or comfortable. You become great by committing yourself to something greater than yourself." And being willing to sacrifice for it. The greater your sacrifice in life, the greater your character will be. This person says, like, one pastor said it this way, nothing, nothing amazing for God has probably ever come out of a comfort zone. It's always a step of faith. It's always stepping out of my comfort zone to follow Jesus. This makes me uncomfortable, but I know that it's what I'm called to do. This makes me uncomfortable, but I know that it's what God's word says to do. This makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to sacrifice my comfort so that I can follow Jesus. Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort to follow him and lavishly supply the things that we've been talking about to your faith? And then here's the last thing. I'll go and bring the worship team back. Is there might be some of us that need to eliminate distractions. Not only do we need to sacrifice our comfort, but some of us may need to eliminate distractions. And the reason, the reason why you think, wow, I don't know if I can supplement my faith with those things. I don't know if I can improve my faith with those things. Like Peter lists these things and he says, you need to improve your faith by adding these things to your faith. And I don't know if I can do that because I am so distracted I'm not like I'm not supplementing my faith with self-control or patience or goodness or any of these because I'm distracted. And if you were to look at your life right now, you would be able to see, yeah, I've become too distracted. And maybe I need to eliminate some distractions in my life so that I can truly live life the way that God intended, where he said, I've given you everything that you need for living a godly life. Some of us just need to eliminate the distractions. The next verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Soldiers don't get tired, don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And this makes me think about in Galatians when we were talking about the verse that says, he says, obviously I'm not trying to please people, I'm trying to please God. I'm seeking the applause of God. And so I'm willing to eliminate any distraction that's going to keep me from following Jesus and going to keep me from seeking after God and putting God first in my life. Don't get distracted by the things of the world, otherwise you'll lose focus on the things that you're called to do. The things that God has called you to, like goodness and understanding and self-control and patience and devotion to God, concern for others, and love. Will you stand to your feet today? I want to challenge you this week to go back and read 2 Peter 1. We read today, and we've been talking about verses 3 through 9, that God has already given you everything that you need to live a godly life. And Peter says, here's how you can improve your faith. It's by making it active, adding some things to it. Like what we talked about, the goodness and the understanding. I'm going to seek wisdom. I'm going to raise the bar on the way that I live and the way that I conduct myself and the things that I do. I'm going I'm to have self-control. I'm going to have patience. I'm going to be devoted to God. I'm going to have concern for others, and I'm going to love people. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people. And I want to challenge you with just a few things, and then we're going to pray. Let's lay down our lives to take on the life of Jesus. Come on, my prayer is that you if you're standing in this room or you're watching online, that you would make the decision today if you haven't already. I'm, I'm willing to lay down my life to follow Jesus. Because that's what matters most to me. Let's sacrifice our comfort if it's in the way of what really matters. Let's be willing to sacrifice our comfort if it's in the way of what actually matters. And not stay in our comfort zone. But say, no what? No, I, I'm gonna live for what really matters, even if it's uncomfortable sometimes. Let's eliminate distractions that keep us from following Jesus, and let's lavishly supply our faith with the things that the Word of God has shown us I want to pray for you and the prayer team can go ahead and come down and I just want to ask you to respond in your heart today and just ask the Holy Spirit are there any of these things that, that you're calling me today that that I have not I have not activated in my life that I have not added to my faith that I'm not living life out the Christian life out in this way and if there's anything that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as we pray just just, just tell it just Lord I repent from the way I've been living and help me to follow you. I have not been living with self-control, but today I'm going to start living with self-control, so help me to follow you. I have not been patient. I have not been seeking wisdom. I've just been doing things my own way, and today I'm making the decision I'm going I'm to supplement my faith with these things today. So Lord, today we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this room. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are teaching us day in and day out, Lord, I pray that as we talked about today, that we would continue to seek knowledge and seek wisdom and seek understanding. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to know you better. And we want to follow you. We want to follow you. We don't want our faith to be dead. We want our faith to be active. We want to live it out for however long we have on this earth. And so today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts individually today, that you would do what only you can do, Lord, that you would fill in the gaps if there's anything that I have missed, Lord, that you need to communicate to somebody today, Lord, that they would hear it directly from you, Lord, they would sense it in their spirit today, and Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw every person today for prayer in Jesus' name, amen.